Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. Well, it's a very good morning to you on this long weekend Monday. And my name is Dr. Cindy Siwefansale at Doc Cindy on Twitter, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. And my guest this morning is um, Lucy Bologna from Cancer. And I'm really glad to have her here because as it is Women's Month, we'll be discussing um, women's cancers. Um, I know we always speak about breast cancer, but there's another cancer that's, um, you know, taking lives in South Africa, and that's cervical cancer. So a lot of this show is going to be focused around sharing information about, you know, the cancers that affect women, such as breast cancer. But a lot of it is going to be focused on cervical cancer. So, Lucy, thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to be here, and thanks for inviting me. Very excited. Women's Day, and we're here promoting women's health. That's fantastic. So, Lucy, just tell me, how did you get involved with the organization um, with cancer? Well, I actually joined them in 2005. So, it's a 10-year anniversary for me, and I'm very excited. I'm very passionate about the brand. I'm very passionate about the organization because I think we provide such a worthy role. We have a role to play in terms we have to educate. Mm. So, one of the biggest things, we do research, we do education, and we do support. But for me, the biggest, and particularly what I am here today, is that I have the chance to share a health message. Mm. So I joined them in 2005 and I've, I've been touched personally by cancer. My mother um, passed away from cancer. She had liver cancer. She lived a long time and through the support of my friends and especially my father she was amazing. Um, and then also my aunt passed away from cancer and my father was just recently diagnosed as well. So there is cancer in the family but there's lots of hope. Um, so I actually joined before my family was affected by cancer. Okay. Funny enough. So you know and um um, so I knew what the process was, but I wish I'd known what I know now. I would have been a 10 times better support yeah. for my family and, and family members. So I've joined them, and part of my role is I started doing corporate fundraising, mm. but then I moved more onto the media side, sharing more on the advocacy message, and now I do the media and marketing. And it's absolutely wonderful getting the opportunity to share the health message and getting to meet people and to talk about um, how to reduce your cancer risk. And it's fantastic that you guys are, are keeping up to date with the, with the social media component because social media is everything these days. I mean, I do a lot of my health messaging on social media. Actually, most of my health messaging is, is on social media. So I'm really glad to see that you guys actually tweet a lot. Yes, we do. We're on Instagram as well. And yeah. I think one of the things about social media is that I think over half of our population under 50, so a lot of them are online. Mm. And I think it's part of the way we, we need to communicate to the younger generation. Funny enough, we were reading some stats um, about a week ago of a mutual friend you and I have, Jacques, who was sharing that um, a lot of the older generation seem to be on Facebook nowadays. Yes. Oh, yes. And you think about it, you want to get in touch with your grandkids or and whatever. Your family, and your family. That, that, so, because no, we're scattered all over the place. Yeah. So we seem to, so we've got all the, we've got Facebook, we've got YouTube, we've got Twitter and Instagram. And I like the fact that we are online because we can, it's a way of reaching young people yeah. and also that we can engage. So we welcome people asking us questions. We often get people tweeting us or Instagram asking us, I have this symptom. We also have a special group on Facebook called Champions of Hope. Okay. Specific Specifically for cancer survivors And they actually are amazing They give each other support They actually ask each other about You know what, I'm going for my first chemo session What sort of um, side effects did you experience So they're giving each other support And then we also just monitor it And we say, look guys, if you need this kind of advice Or if you need this information We've got lots of fact sheets So it's a wonderful tool And of course there's the website as well So I think social media is a huge part of One method of communicating with Mm. the public 
That's amazing. I mean, and you really have to keep up to date. And I found that with patients, the more you know about your condition, the better prepared you are. And I think that just, just you mentioning, what can I expect from my first chemo session? I can imagine that, you know, you'd be, you'd be overwhelmed. First of all, you've been diagnosed with cancer and now you must go for chemo and no one has really explained what's going to happen. You know, what, are you going to get a drip? Are you going to get, an injection. You don't know oh, what to expect. So true. You know, and, and I can say that just now from my personal experience when my father, the, the oncologist called us in and to tell me about my father, which I kind of got this hint and I thought, okay, dad, he said, bring your family with. And I thought, how nice of this doctor that he allowed us to bring the family with. And when I got there, there were three patients. And the studio and the rest were just family members coming to support the person that's been diagnosed. And I thought that was so amazing. And then I thought to myself, you know, we're fortunate in that we could go to the doctor and we could be with my father. But yeah. there are so many people out there Who are that are going to alone. hospitals or are walking alone. And I think, and each cancer diagnosis is very different. So, and it affects people in different ways. But the one common factor, it's first of all, it can be quite devastating, traumatic. I think the first time you go, I don't think you actually hear. What to expect? You, you, it's such a shock, or you, and, and then only afterwards. There's so many things you think of. So, I think the Cancer Association of South Africa, we, we we kind of looked at this need and we said, look, we need to give something when somebody's diagnosed. So you've been, so you've got cancer. Now what? Oh, yeah. So what we came up with is a cancer coping kit. It's called the Cancer Care Coping Kit. So it's a CD yeah. that people can listen to. You can put it in your car, and it's also available in a booklet form That's because some amazing. people don't have access to a, a CD player. Yeah. So you can actually read the book. We've also got it. On our website so people can download it But basically it's saying the very basics What is the difference between chemo and radiation What can you expect What is cancer, what causes it What are the And the most important thing How to live so there's no reoccurrence What should you eat And and even a bit of tumor humor and, <laughs> you know, you I need, like that tumor humor. Yeah, tumor You need those kind of things So you need to know what to expect So we've got that as well And we've also got a lot of counseling groups I think the most important mm. thing The one common thread is everyone needs support. Oh, yes. Doesn't matter where you are from, doesn't matter who you are, you need someone to reassure you and tell you that everything is going to be fine. And and you know what? Often I found that the effect of the diagnosis often has a, a very tough um, effect on the family member or the friend. So you, you're so worried about that poor person. Mm. We, we see it with our cancer TLC program for children and families. The, everyone's so focused on the child and it's the poor mom or the little brother or the little sister who, or the guardian who's going, how am I going to, what am I going to do? And it's so devastating. So a lot of what we do is how do we cope and how to help the, the, the parent or how to help the, the immediate family. Like caring for the carer. Mm, the loved one, you mm. know, so, and so many times caregivers too. You know, we also give tips on caregiving because that can burn you out. I mean, there's so many families. I mean, just this weekend we were interviewing a caregiver. There were so many families that we didn't realize that I've got caregivers or family members looking after a family member that has cancer. And the, the emotional effect must be quite devastating. Yeah. Wow. And in terms of your fundraising, I know that cancer does a lot of fundraising. I know the thing that comes, that's top of my mind is the Shavathon. But that's yes. only one of many things that you guys are doing. Yes. I think Shavathon is one of the, the most amazing because it's the most visual. So have you, have you taken part in Shavathon? Oh, well, I've, it's about, I've started there 10 years. So I've done about eight Shavathons. As in hair completely off. No, I've uh, not been that brave, but I do know, I can tell you, um, I know, I mean, I met 14 amazing women this year. Who completely shaved their hair Completely, completely bald And that to me is just That is brave 
When I, that to me is the absolute epitome of being brave. I'm showing you my support. I want to show you my symbol. And they just decided to do this. They did it as part of Shaven this year. And we gave them a special name, the Hairs Angels. Mm-hmm. And these women were amazing. And three of them were cancer survivors themselves. And two of them were two generations. So the one was the grandmother, the mother, and the daughter. And the other one was the mother and the daughter. Oh. So I was very impressed. So, no, we, we're very blessed. We have so many wonderful people that come to support us for Shavathon. And we have others. We have a lot of corporates that support us. We also do a program called Cancer Relay for Life, mm-hmm. which is specifically ar- centered around cancer survivors. So we refer to anyone who has got cancer. If you hear the words, you have cancer, whether it is gone and not reoccurred or whatever, you're a cancer survivor. And what we do is we have this big event. It's overnight because you must know what it's like to have cancer for 24 hours or 18 hours or 12 hours. So we have this big event overnight and you enter teams and that's how we raise the funds. They, they walk all night to show support. So they don't have to run. They can walk, run, but it's not policed. It, it's all about showing support and having fun. And then we start off with a survivor's lap. It's this big opening lap and then all the survivors walk around. They have a special sash and a t-shirt and everyone claps and cheers. And that is the most Amazing positive reaffirmation of I'm a survivor, and also to us to say, We're here for you, you are not alone in this journey. So I love, and we also have the sad time, you know, Relief Life is always about, it's all about, it's about celebration, remembering and fighting back. And remembering the, uh, so remembering the people that have passed away. Yes, what we do is we have these um, white plastic bags with candles inside them mm. and we place them around the track and when the sun goes down, we have what we call the luminaria or candle lighting ceremony. And then we have on the bags, we can put messages and we put photographs of people that have passed on and even those that are still living. Mm. And for me, it's the most amazing thing. And you know, you walk around and then you see pictures of children that have passed away Mm -hmm. and and then families and you think wow and then you remember you know what I'm here for um, I'm here for a reason I'm here to remember them but not to give up so the whole and then everything picks up again and it's about what is the health message and we have mission what we call mission delivery you have to give a health message what are we doing about educating are we doing any screening on site so we might do cancer screening activities Mm -hmm. that night so and we're always sharing information giving out information about the cancer warning signs or something similar so cancer relief life is wonderful it happens everywhere from Springbok in the northern cape to Mitchell's Plain in the cape to the west train in Johannesburg to you know we've even had in Soweto and we've got in Pretoria so it's it's amazing. It's a wonderful opportunity to show support to cancer survivors, but at the same time raising funds. And we're part of a global movement. Mm-hmm. We're, it, it was started by the American Cancer Society mm-hmm. um, 25 years ago, actually, this year. And um, it actually started by a doctor, an oncologist, okay. who had seen what his patients were going through. And he decided he was going to run for 24 hours um, one night to raise funds, and that's how Relay for Life started. Oh, I see. So there's that's over twenty, yeah, and there's over twenty countries. His name was Dr. Gordy Klatt. Mm. So there are twenty countries in the world that are celebrating and honouring cancer survivors. And also, uh, just in terms of schools, have you guys? Do you guys do any work in schools? Um, primary school, for example. Yes, we do. What we have is we have got a program called Cancer Relay Recess, okay, which is specifically around the kids. So what we do, and we've got Talk Talkie. I don't know if you know Talk Talkie or Tap Tap. Okay. <laughs> He's this little funny beetle character that has been associated with cancer for quite a while. And um, he goes around and he shares information for the kids. So it's about teaching the kids all about reducing the risk. So we go and we work with the teachers Mm -hmm. and we do programs to get the kids young so that we can give them the cancer message. So Mm. we'll do things like 
all about smoking, how you shouldn't smoke, oh, and yes. about being sun smart. So the message and sun smart is so important. I mean, we have a lot of people living with albinism in in, in South Africa, and that's right. Yeah. So you speak about that as well. And the, you yes, know. we do. What we did is that we actually lobbied with the Department of Health because we found out that the sunscreens that they were giving to people living with albinism weren't of a very high quality. Okay. And they weren't giving them regularly. So we went and lobbied and explained that people living with albinism need a very high SPF factor. They need a very good proper sunscreen with both UVB and UVA and that you should be giving it frequently. So because of our intervention and our liaison with the Department of Health, they now give proper sunscreen at the depart at the hospitals to people living with albinism. So I'm I'm very glad that we're actually helping to keep them um, safer from the sun. That's awesome. Yeah, so That's we teach really the kids awesome about SunSmart. We also teach them about drinking safe, clean water, about trying to eat well, you know, eating good, clean, you know, veggies, getting a decent balanced plate and, mm. and all those fun things and, and physical exercise. I think what one of the big things we're on is that we promote a balanced lifestyle. Mm. So it's all about getting those kids active and, and you know, and having fun because that's how part of, of 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 reducing that cancer risk is leading a balanced lifestyle, which includes getting physical exercise, eating the right thing, and not smoking, and avoiding all the carcinogens that we have. Mm. And now, onto specifically a women's month. I know that um, women's health, when it comes to cancer, the first thing we think of is you know the pink ribbon, breast cancer. And so we will talk about breast cancer now, but obviously the rest of the show will be focusing on cervical cancer, something that's really, you know, that's really important. And close to my heart, because of the work that I do. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know, mm. Lucy, I work primarily with HIV. And so if you're HIV infected and you also have human papilloma virus, which leads to cervical cancer, you know, lesions, you have a 10 times higher risk of developing full cervical cancer as opposed to a woman that's HIV negative. And that's why it's so important to me that um, women who are HIV infected get a pap smear upon diagnosis. And this is something that's not happening mm. in all our clinics or in our facilities, but it's a message that needs to be out there. If you're HIV positive and you're female, you need to get a pap smear done. We need to make sure that, you know, you don't really have HPV and lesions. But let's speak a bit about breast cancer. Um, I think it's important that we speak about all the cancers yeah. affecting women. And, mm. you know, breast cancer, yes, definitely it gets lots of attention, which is it a does. good thing. It's a good thing. and But it is the leading cancer. You know, if you look at the lifetime risk for women, it's one in nine in mm. South Africa. And it's the leading cancer. But second to that is then cervical. Mm. So I think it's important that we, you know, and it's so often, you know, so many people are sharing the message about breast cancer, which is fantastic. But I think what we're trying to say is don't forget about the cervical. That's the thing. Because it's affecting so many women um, as well. So we, we, you know, our, our goal is to eradicate all women's cancers. So it's a good thing. It's wonderful to see so many programs or so many activities and things happening to, to raise awareness of breast cancer. And it's wonderful to see. And, you know, what our message is, is for women is definitely Go, f go do your mammogram. Most important is to do a self breast examination each month. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, at the cancer care centers that we have, we offer clinical breast examinations. So we encourage people to come there and we also do what we call an examination with a sure touch machine. So it's, it's, it's non-invasive. It's like a little computer pad that they, they use on the breast. So we can do those as well. But the most important thing, you know, it doesn't replace a mammogram. Okay. So we still encourage women to definitely go for their mammogram. So that's part of the health message. I think, I think my message is, you know, women, we need to take health in our own hands. You know, we need to invest in our health. And I think we've got a role as mothers 
as sisters, as daughters, whatever, we need to teach people around us. You know, you know, we, we if you want to live long and you want to have a great quality of life, part of, of being, of reducing that risk is early detection and just being smart and saying, you know what, these are the basic things I need to do. And with, with women's health is definitely on the breast side is doing the, the regular self-examination, going for your pap, um, your, your mammogram. And then on the, on the cervical cancer side is definitely the pap smears. And I'm so glad you raised it. But back to the, so back to the mammogram, um, how much is a mammogram? Cause you know, not everyone can afford to go for one. I don't even know if medical aid pays for mammograms or not. So if I couldn't, if I'm not a medical aid and I can't afford to, to have a mammogram done in the private sector, where can I go and have it done for free? That's, that's important. Well, that's the thing. We, we don't do mammograms where we are. We do the sure touch machine. Okay. But you can go to clinics as far as I'm aware, the, the medical health clinics that you can go and get your, your mammograms done. And, um, I don't, and I know that medical aid does cover for those that do have medical aid. But what we've got, we've got a program called Pakamisa. Okay. And what it is, it's specifically for patients that have got breast cancer. And then we take them in a program and then we teach them how to help other patients that have been diagnosed. So, for example, you've got the, the ladies out in the field and she's got breast cancer. And then she has to now help another lady, somebody else who's just got breast cancer. So she takes them to the clinic and she works through the whole process with them. She will show them the cancer care kit and she will show them all the information, the fact sheet of what are these are the signs. And they also get cell phones and they, they actually give each other support through SMSs. It's mm. amazing. Talking again about social media and these tools, mm. and that's what we do from our side. We we actually encourage um, um, through Pakamisa, and then what we do as part of of October um, last year, usually every month in you know usually every year in October is that we have a relationship with the radiologists, and we say to them, please give them a discount during the month of October, and even extend it. Don't just do it in October. Try and do it for you know September, October, even longer, where we can encourage people to get massive discounts on going for their mammograms. Oh, okay. Well, that's something. Yeah. To look out for. I mean, when that happens, I'll definitely make sure that oh, we'll people be find in touch out with about you. it. Yeah. Absolutely. And just the yeah, just the, uh, the signs and symptoms of breast cancer, um, Lucy. I think we just talk a bit about that so people know when to worry and when not to worry. Well, if I can just share, you know, um, early breast cancer usually doesn't show symptoms. That's mm-hmm. why it's so important that we do our self examination. But if a tumor grows, it can change how the breast looks or feels. So mm-hmm. some of the common things would be a lump or thickening near the breast or the armpit area. So yeah. often, you know, women get quite frightened when they find that lump but you know what I always say give yourself peace of mind and if you find something go and get it checked out that's then important you can Just, eliminate you know, it rather than living with it and letting it grow go yes. and have it looked at you know go yes. and have it looked at I think also women you know people get so scared I had another friend of mine a very good friend who also passed away from cancer because she left it so long she was so scared of what it could be and part of the message that we're saying is that early detection really does save lives and it can does. give you the opportunity to say to yourself okay you know what um, I've, I've now just diagnosed but now the treatment plan is, is there available mm. so you've got a much better chance of a longer mm. longer plan we've seen that the cancer system Statistics have actually grown, but the mortality rates are down. So people are dying less because early detection mm. works and because there's better treatment plans. Mm. So I think some of the things I can share is that the lump or thickening near the breast, a dimpling or puckering in the screen, you know, and then also the nipple becomes inverted. So it's turning inward. Yeah, so something's to, pulling its Something pulling, mm. scaly red or swollen skin on the breast, nipple or the areola, the dark skin surrounding the nipple. And then the skin of the breast is taken an orange peel look and feels sort mm. of bubbly. Like, yeah, and dimpled. 
and dimples. So those are just some of them. And if we go to our website, um, cancer.org.za, so C-A-N-S-A, we've got a whole lot of infographics and little inf- and information and pictures saying, look out for these signs. So we're constantly updating, constantly sharing, and we can actually tweet those as well. Yeah, no, I will definitely put everybody. them out, you know, once we're done with the show. And, um, and, and, okay, so steps. So now you found a lamp. What's the next step? I think if you've got something and you are really concerned, you can either go to one of our cancer care centers. And we are, we, and we we're, can... we're all over the show. Okay. We're national. So we are based in all the different provinces. We've got a one, and especially in the metro regions. And then we also have what we call satellite offices. So they may not, so sometimes you'll find in a smaller area, say for example in Paris, so it's not a bigger, bigger area yeah. or majorly populated, but there is some sort of cancer representative who can refer you or can help you through the process, but often therefore cancer care and support, you know, to help the, the, the existing number of cancer survivors that are there. And then what we recommend is definitely you can go to a clinic or you may, or please go to a hospital or, or to your nearest doctor and, mm. and just say, look, I've just have me checked out. And, and you know what? I think also you know your body. So I know when something feels strange and something doesn't quite feel right. And I think the message is don't ignore it. Yeah. You know, and often sometimes it, it, it isn't nothing. I mean, I remember when I turned 40, I found a lump. And I was quite concerned. And then I found out that it, and for some reason, it's strange for you get fibrous lumps. So it, it's yeah, just, fibroadenoma. Yes, yeah. it's something quite common. So, you know, there was a friend and I, I remember the time there were two of us, both of us got it. And we like, oh, work for cancer. We better go get ourselves checked out. And we went and we were sitting there waiting there. And we were both kind of nervous. But at the end of the day, and then when the, the doctor was amazing, she explained everything. It was a female doctor at the time. And she was wonderful. She just said, look, you get that fibrous lump and she says at least you came to check it out good for you and you know so ever since then I go regularly I always say oh I must remember my birthday to myself is I'm going to go get my, my, my pap smear and I must make sure I do my mammogram mm, so and I do my breast self-examination in the shower once a mm. month make sure that we do that type of thing and it's good that you've mentioned the fibroadenoma because it does it is very common especially in young girls you know they're growing and their breasts are changing all the time but if you do feel a lump and you're worried about it do go and see your nurse clinician or go and see your doctor and what we'll do is that we will then if the lump is big enough we will put a small needle in it of, you know we call it a, an mm-hmm. FNA fine needle aspiration to take a bit of tissue out send the tissue off to the lab and, and obviously we'll wait for the results and that'll tell us is it fatty tissue you know is it yes. cancer what's going on but you need to have the lumps checked out that's the most important part and I think the other thing we need to get across is that if you have a close family member with breast cancer that you're at risk as well and it's the same you know with prostate as well I mean with my father being diagnosed the first thing he said is looked at my brother and said hey have you had yourself checked out Mm. so I think you know the minute that there's some sort of now because of my mother and my aunt's history I felt okay oh I'm at risk now so I just make sure that I manage that risk and I feel confident knowing that I'm going regularly and I feel good Mm. I think one of the other things is you know I'm fortunate yes I've got medical aid so one of the things that for the cancer association that's so important one of our biggest needs and that's why we're so concerned about cervical cancer is that we need to get access to women that don't have access to medical aid so one of the biggest things we do is we've got what we call the cancer mobile clinics yes and we've got nine of them. I wish we could have more. We, but you know, they're so expensive to run, but they play such a valuable role. So those mobile clinics go out and especially to the rural communities, they're mostly designed for that. And we go and we tell women, come in and come and get tested. So that's when we reach people. And it's not just women. It's, it's, it's whole families out there. And we don't just do, we do breast examinations. We teach them about breast cancer. We do the pap smears, but we also do tests for the men. And we also teach the young guys about testicular self-examination, but we also do the whole 
whole general health. Mm. You know, we do blood cholesterol tests. We do what we call a, um, a balanced lifestyle risk assessment just to get the message across. They may not be interested, but to ease them into it and saying, if you want to reduce that risk, how about trying this? How are you living now? What are you eating? What are you, are you getting exercise? Do you smoke? Are you in the sun? So little questions help to design to get them into understand the importance of, 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 of investing in your own health. And that's preventive medicine. I think this is where we're going. We're saying we don't want to treat the problem once you have it. We want to prevent, you know, catch it early, prevent, you know, manage your risk and prevent things from happening. Absolutely. And, and do these mobile clinics have a mammogram? No, we don't do mammogram because you must have a registered radiographer or person okay. that knows how to do the mammogram. What we do is we do the clinic, we do the sure touch machine. Yeah. So we we bring that out there. We do um we've got what we call a photo finder machine, a device that actually does for the skin cancer. So we examine the moles. Okay. So particularly looking for moles, and then we examine the moles, and we then once we've looked at that, we then refer the patient and okay. we say, right, there's something wrong here. Go, go to this place. And the same thing with place. the sure touch. It can pick up lumps. It can pick up things and saying, listen, you need to now be referred. So it's not going to diagnose whether you've got cancer. It's all about, like you say, prevention. It's about reducing that risk mm. and warning you. And then what we also do with the men, we do what we call a a, a prostate-specific antigen test, oh, yeah, which the is PSA. Yeah, a, that's simple, a screening, a screening simple blood, blood test. test, and we and it just measures any prostate abnormalities. Mm-hmm. So then we say, okay, you know what? You now need to be referred because there's something wrong there. And then basically we also do blood sugar, glucose testing. Because, you know, everything's, you know, we, we very much work together with the Heart and Stroke Foundation, with the Diabetes SA. So our message is all about non, it's about promoting balanced lifestyle because there's so many non-communicable diseases that are affecting everyone today. And it's very much to do with our diet, our balanced lifestyle, what we're eating, everything we do. And, and we can take measures that can reduce those risks. That's so, fantastic, Lucy. That's great. I mean, I think it's good to, to see a holistic approach that, I mean, yes. even, you know, out there giving the health message, doing the health checks, but also promoting a healthy lifestyle. That's important. That's a very important thing to do. But we'll be back after this break and, um, we're going to then touch on cervical cancer when we get back. I'll feel it. Well, we're back um, with Lucy Bologna and we're chatting about um, women's health, um, specifically focusing on cancer. Lucy's from Cancer and their website is um, cancer.org.za and they're C-A-N-S-A and they're really doing a fantastic job. So we've spoken about um, breast cancer. We've spoken a bit about um, just the holistic approach that they have to, to, to health. And now we're going to focus on the can- um, cervical cancer. So last year, um, cancer conducted 7,800 pap smears. In um, conjunction with the Department of Health, they did another 3,500 in conjunction with the Department of Health. And that's really important because we know that um, human papillomavirus is a virus that leads to the cervical changes that then eventually lead to cervical cancer. And what most people don't know about um, human papillomavirus, HPV, is that it's the most common sexually transmitted infection that we have. So the majority of us are infected with HPV and you can get it from skin to skin contact and you can also get it sexually. They're different types. So some of the types of HPV cause warts and some of the types cause cancer. So depending on which one you have, then you know we assess your risk based on which type you have. And how do we find out whether you have HPV or not? Many times through the pap smear. So I always say that the moment you start being sexually active, you need to go for yearly pap smears. Okay. And, and I say yearly 
But actually what I mean is that you go for your first one and then depending on the results, the doctor will then tell you that if you need to have one every two years or every three years or every year, depending on what you, uh, on what your results are. So yeah, let's speak a bit about that, um, Lucy. Yeah, I think that's so important because what you were saying about HPV is that it causes up to 70% of cervical cancers. Mm-hmm. So as much as, you know, we really welcome the idea that so many people are focusing on breast, but we, we also want to remind people that the second highest is cervical cancer. Mm. And particularly, it's actually very high amongst black females. So yeah. I think that's so important that we need to say it. We need to say that we need to reach as many black female women and get the message out there. So I think that's part of the role that we like to, you know, that the Cancer Association, that's part of our message. And I, and I think, you know, we were talking earlier on about pap smears, and I think so many women get a little bit scared. They don't know what to expect, especially younger women. You might yeah. be shy. You know, you're talking about down there, your private parts and what have you. And I think that's actually so much, it's such an important message is it, if you want to, you need to take, as again, need to take your, you need to invest in your health. So, and in fact, it's really, not such a bad procedure. You, you know, we know how you exactly, unfortunately, you do have to open your legs, but you know, the doctor knows how to do it quite right. And a lot of clinics do a very good job. And it's basically just a little swab that they take on the inside of the vagina and they need, and it, but it's such an important thing that needs to happen. So I think part of our message is, do you know what? Go and find out. Don't be shy. Because I think part of, again, early detection is key. Don't be shy. And it's so important to know all about it. So, you know, so many times I would tell women or, or share a little infographic on our social media. And I've had somebody contact me and saying, um, can you explain to me what is an actual pap smear? Because mm. she didn't actually know. But I was so glad she asked me. Mm. And you know what? She felt that that was the platform she could ask me because nobody knew who she was. And mm. I didn't know her, but she knew that I had tweeted. So she was quite happy to ask me the question. So I felt at least I've done something. I've helped this woman. I could refer her. And and we do. We talk about women. We say women ages between 18, between 18 and 25 yeah. who have ever been sexually active should have a pap smear every three years or two years after your first sexual activity. Activities, whichever comes later, and continue right up until the age seventeen. Mm. And I mean, okay, so pap smear, pap is, I mean, the the procedure is named after a doctor. I can't even remember his name. I think it's Papa Nicola or something. But he he invented this this procedure, and it was a man. And yeah, wow. And, and so, so all we do is that we, you know, we so we put in a speculum. So speculum mm-hmm. is is the thing to 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 open the vaginal canal, and we put in a small brush. And we just want to scrape a few of the cells from the, from the, from the cervix, send those cells off to the laboratory, and the results will tell us if you have, you know, if you've had any changes or not, if you have a human papillomavirus or not. The thing is, is that, you know, generally, you know, we don't like invasive procedures. Women mm-hmm. don't enjoy it. So, you know, you're worried about, <laughs> yes. you know, you know, is my vagina smelling funny? Now I have to lie with my, on my back with my legs open and so on. Yes, you do have to do that. But I'll say this as a medical doctor. When we are in that mode of examination, we're not even wondering about, you know, your vagina or what's going on. We just need the procedure done, you know. And so we may do small talk. We may not do small talk. It just depends on your medical doctor. But I just want to lay your fears that we're not, we're not judging you. We're not judging your underwear. We're not judging. I've had, I've had women come into my rooms and say to me, Oh no, I can't do a pap smear today because, um, I'm wearing a torn panty. And, and I really, oh, Rina, it's, but I'm, oh, cool. Lucy, it's stuff that worries me. It worries me that you would not go and, and, and have a potentially life-saving procedure done because you are worried about what your doctor or what the nurse is going to say. I've had. So true. Yeah. And I've had other women say that the procedure was painful. Yes, it can be painful. I think sometimes, you know, it depends. It's very tick. It's, it's very user dependent. So the, the, the technique. I mean, if someone is rough, it might be painful. But again, 
you need to weigh up your options. Pain versus your life. I'm so glad you said that. And also, I think so many young girls often listen to their peers or listen to other girls who aren't giving them the right information. Mm. So I say, go and look it up yourself. Contact somebody like yourself. Google. Go on to Google. Google and Doxony and our website. There's so many good yeah. sites that are dedicated, not just to breast. I mean, there's some wonderful sites, to, you know, talking about breast cancer, but there's some amazing information that's saying go for it. And, you know, we always saying is, you know what, weigh it up. You say to yourself, you know what, is it worth me not going because I'm uncomfortable because I might have the wrong underwear or I really don't want to open up my legs and be there? But actually, it's the most important thing you can do for your health. It's the most important thing that you could you can actually get yourself sorted out. You're getting yourself checked out and you're reducing that risk. So I say to women, you know what, you need to forget about what everyone else says and look after your health. That's what comes important. Yeah, and I say, I say go and find out for yourself. But uh, we have Genevieve Williams online and um, I'm really glad that she's <laughs> able to join us because she's going to share with us her experience with cervical cancer. I think it's one thing to hear it from you, Lucy, one thing to hear it from me, but it's always so powerful to hear it from someone who's walked in those shoes. So good morning, Genevieve. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate having you on the show. Thanks for having me. So, Hello, Lucy. Hello. So nice to hear from you again, Genevieve, and happy Women's Day. Happy Women's Day to you too, ladies. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, Genevieve, just give us a bit of background on, on who, you know, who you are, what you do, and then let's talk about your, your experience with cervical cancer. So, yeah, I'm Genevieve Williams. Um, I'm mom. I've got two beautiful kids and I'm married. Um, I'm a contact center manager for Hollard. Um, also ex Mrs. South Africa um, finalist 2013. Um, I'm also a singer, and um, yeah, I'm a motivational speaker. So yeah, I've got my own little things going on. And how did you get involved with with cancer? So um, I think my journey really started with um, the Mrs. South Africa um, competition, where I, you know, got the opportunity to really get involved raising funds, um, you know, and I'm from Pretoria, so um, I used to work very closely with the Pretoria office. Yeah. And um, by doing that, um, I got involved on a level where I just, you know, whether it be work, whether it be community, whether it be um, family, um, I was able to, you know, to raise those funds. And after Mrs. South Africa, um, I felt that, you know, just because the competition is over doesn't mean that I just get to sit back and relax. Um, I still felt that it was my duty to, you know, to get involved on a level where I can at least then tell my story, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think I've, I've been very fortunate, um, especially this year with the Hair Angels, um, because I was able to spend a day with awesome ladies and we could talk about this. And um, I think... The liberation that came out of it was so inspiring, and um, yeah, I think now I'm I'm so free to actually, you know, go out and just um, tell people about who I am and you know where my journey's really started with with cancer. Hmm. Yep. And um, in terms of your, your your okay cervical cancer, when were you diagnosed? And you know the whole procedure from the time you went for your pap smear. What what made you go for a pap smear? I, I'm always interested to know. Mm. Why people go for pap smears? Mm, good question. Yeah, so I really just went for a checkup. Um, I didn't know that I was going to be diagnosed. That was, you know, just a checkup. I had my son at the time, and um, so this was many years ago. It was like I think twenty um, two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Yeah. Um, I had just lost my mom at the time, and um, 
you know, my aunt's always like, you have to go for a pap smear. And I'm like, okay, no, cool. I've got a kid now. You know, I've got to go for this pap smear. Normal checkup. Um, doctor called me and um, doctor said to me, you need to come in. Now, usually when a doctor tells you that you need to come in, you know, you need to know that something's up, right? Mm. <laughs> so um, I went in and um, the doctor said to me that, um, you know, at that time they'll be like, we found a bit of a growth. And I'm like, what does that mean? Um, yeah, I'm very young. I'm not sure what a growth means. And I was alone at the time, and um, they took me through this whole thing about, you know, growth, meaning that um, we've, we've detected that you have cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, they told me what, you know, what a pap smear is, how it works, why we do it. And um, they told me not to freak out about it. And I was like, but this is cancer. How can I not freak out Just about it? Just the word you know? alone <laughs> makes you freak out. No, sure. And that's the thing, Genevieve, that however much we allay people's fears, We've said the words, the C word, cancer. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. your, your, your head is swirling. You can't think clearly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I was very young at the time. So for somebody to tell me that I've got cancer, I've just lost my mom. So my mom at the time died. Um, she had AIDS. So mm-hmm. it was a very traumatic experience for me, um, you know, to go through that. And now somebody's telling me that I've got cancer. Mm. And um, I then had to, you know, just take it in. Um, I didn't know what to do, what to say. Um, I told my aunt. And, um, you know, the family was already so emotional about everything that had happened with my mom's passing. Yeah. Um, it was another thing. And it was like, okay, so what now? And I said to her, I don't want anyone knowing about this. Can we just deal with it, you know, between us? And when the time is right, we will, we will let everyone know. Um, we then went back to the to the doctor. It was at the clinic, um, yeah. so we have a clinic in Estres, and uh, we went and we sat down with the doctor, and um, they then said to me that I'll have to go um, for a procedure, and I was like, "What procedure?" Yeah, and um, they said, "Well, um, I was so fortunate at the time because it was early." They said that they could do laser treatment. Mm, let, uh, let's, it's called a let's biopsy. So they were basically going to just scrape off the cells that had shown cancerous changes. 100%. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing, Genevieve, is that when we explain this procedure to patients, the wording we use is the determining factor whether a patient goes for that procedure or not. So you'll, someone will say to you, oh, you're going for an operation. It's not an operation. Or they'll say, we're going to cut off the cancer. The yeah. wording is so important. And I think, you know, you were fortunate that this, your, your doctor took the time out to explain everything because not everyone gets that. I mean, I've, I've heard from women who tell me that five years ago already they were meant to go for the let's biopsy, but they didn't go because it sounded like something really scary. Yeah, and I mean, it is scary. <laughs> you know, you get there and you don't know what to expect. Mm. Um, and, you know, with, with, with me finding out, okay, you know, it's cancer, I had to do my own research, you know. I had to go and read, get some info from the clinic, um, because I needed to know what it is that I'm going to go through. Mm. And, um, you know, it was scary. Um, at the time, which was HF um in Pretoria. Yeah, Pretoria. Oh, it's Pretoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Steve Biko Academic it's Hospital now. now. Yes, it's now Steve Biko Academic, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I got there, and it's, like, very big and very cold, and mm. there I am with my aunt, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what, <laughs> what is going to happen now? And um, I must say, I had awesome um, doctors at the time, and they made it seem like, you know, it's going to be okay, and it was okay. It was easy. I went through the procedure. I had to go twice, 
and I had some radiation done um, afterwards. Okay. And um, by the grace of God, you know, I went back to the doctor um, after a few, six months, and um, it was gone. And I think I was just so fortunate to, to know that we've gone through a procedure, um, it's gone, um, you know, the doctor assured me that, you know, you can come up for your checkups, and if there's anything, we'll let you know. It was very important for me to also know that I could trust the doctor, and yeah. I could go mm-hmm. back, and I could ask questions. And um, thankfully, I, I have two children today. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've been blessed, and um, it's very important for me to go for my checkup because it's something that has happened and taken place previously. So I have to make sure that I go see the doctor regularly, at least six months, um, every six months, um, because I never want to be in a situation like that ever again. So. Genevieve, just from my side, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. I think we underestimate that sharing each other's cancer's journey can have such a profound impact on others and can give a wonderful message to other women out there. So thank you so much for that. No, thank you. And thank and just you. something that you said, you said you could phone your doctor and ask questions. And mm. I think sometimes we forget, you know, just to share from our side, we've got an info line and a toll-free center as well. Okay. So people can phone in because often they've got nowhere else to turn. Yeah. So just to let people know that if you've got, if you're alone and you don't know who to ask and you haven't got access to a doctor, that you can also find a toll-free line and just ask questions and saying, I've got this symptom or I've got whatever. So just to share that as well, yeah. that people are welcome okay. to contact that as and, well. And Genevieve, before we let you go, just yeah. how would you describe a pap smear for someone, you know, because <laughs> really, I, this is one of the questions I probably get asked more than Okay, I suppose the, the first question I get asked a lot is, are you really a doctor? But after <laughs> that question, after that question, people want to know, what is a pap smear like? So from, from a layperson's point of view, what is a pap smear like? How did so, you know, I was it? listening to you guys earlier and it's, it's not, it's not painful. I mean, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most uncomfortable experience that <laughs> a woman can go through. Like, you know, I think, yes, when you have a, a lady doctor. Yes. Um, it's, 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 it feels okay. It's still uncomfortable. But I think the minute you have a, you know, a, a, a man doctor, like, you know, as a gynae, yeah. it becomes a little bit more uncomfortable because it's not just about the doctor going in there. It's about a man <laughs> going in there. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's, and you're being so honest about this because really that is what but that is that is what people worry about. Yeah. Well, I just I must tell you this while we're sharing the story. I had a, a gynecologist from many years ago, and he was quite naughty. He had a one-way mirror, so that he, he used to. That's how he used to break the ice with his new patients. So when he'd come in, he'd actually have the windows, oh, the curtains open. But it was one of those mirrors where nobody can see in, but you yeah. could see out. Oh, so the first thing you do is close those curtains, get undressed, put your feet up. Now you're lying there with just your gown naked, and then he'd walk in. The first thing you do is open these curtains. <laughs> Yeah. And you'd go, what are you doing? <laughs> and you'd say, trust me, my dear, they can't see in. I promise you. And and that was his way of letting of me breaking feel, of breaking eyes oh, and making me feel. I said, are you sure? He says, I promise you, nobody can see in. Trust me. Mm. You know, and then he said, but if you're not chocolate, I promise you nobody. It was just yeah. his fun little way of you know? breaking the ice. And it's true. Because I think, yeah, that you do need a bit of an icebreaker when you, you know, when, you, when you're in that situation. Um, but yeah, you know, so yeah, it's not painful. It's uncomfortable. Um, it's weird if if your if your doctor is male. It's yeah. easier if your doctor is female, and yeah, yeah. But it's so yeah. important. But I, you know, I think at the end of the day, as 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 uncomfortable as it is, um, it is super important. 
So, the, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier, would you rather not go and experience that uncomfortable um, situation or would you just ignore it? Rather just go and get it over and done with. It's not something that happens monthly, yeah. you know. So it's that once-off thing that's going to happen um, that's important. Yeah. So, um, ladies, if you're listening, you go and you've got to go and check out your engine. Super important. <laughs> get it oiled up and, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Genevieve. You've enjoyed the rest of your day. Thank you, ladies. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Isn't go that amazing? Go and check your engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I was thinking perhaps this is the time. Um, sometimes women may not know when to go. Yes. And maybe just to share quickly some of the signs Please and do. symptoms. Please do. No, definitely, yeah. Um, I think um, early symptoms that may occur will be like abnormal vaginal bleeding yes. between periods after intercourse or after menopause mm-hmm. or any bleeding after menopause, continuous vid- vaginal discharge. You know, you get like a, a very pale, watery, pink, brown bloody and sometimes it doesn't smell so great mm. so any of those things and then also if your periods are becoming heavier and lasting longer than usual you need to go and have yeah, a check those out. are just some of the the earliest symptoms um and even you know some women you know vaginal vaginal bleeding after yes. sexual intercourse any pain pelvic pain pain during sexual intercourse and you definitely that that vaginal again that discharge you know that that smell um, so all of, and, and increased urinary, for, you know, the need to go and wee. Yeah. Quite often. So those are just some of the symptoms. So if you, you have some of that, you know what? Don't wait. Go and see your it doctor. It could be saving a life. Go and get it checked out. Yeah, that's fantastic. And yeah, no, I'm really glad that we had this show, um, Lucy, because as I as I said, knowledge is everything. The moment you know what to expect, a situation becomes much easier to deal with. He you says, know. Genevieve said, you know, when she found out, she went and looked it up, and it's amazing. Um, how much information is out there? Mm, Dr. Google. I always tell people that Dr. Google, you know, <laughs> there's so many websites just, you know, I, I'm not saying you should diagnose yourself based on what comes up, but it's just good to know it and it helps you, prepares you, you know, you, you, then you know what questions to ask. Your yes. medical practitioner. Yes, it's so true because you often go there. And like again, as I say, the first time that you hear of somebody being diagnosed, I've had so many stories of survivors sharing with me saying, "I got there and when he told me, I didn't know what to expect. I couldn't hear. I needed to go back again and ask all those questions." Mm. Um, and often we say, "Take somebody with you." Mm. Just to write or write down beforehand. But a lot of what we do, you know, we've produced, we've produced over 150 fact sheets mm-hmm. that we share on all types of cancer. We look at and we also give position statements saying, you know, for example, with the, the cervical cancer, one of them, the things we do is the vaccine. You know, the, the Department of Health yeah, the is rolling population. out yeah. the, the vaccine. So that's a great thing um, that we're sharing and we're getting, you know, the young girls between nine and 12 are going to get um, their yeah. vaccination. So either, yeah, either grade four. You're either in grade four and you're getting the uh-huh. jab or you're nine years old and you're getting the jab. So it's, it's great to know that information. You know, we work closely and help them develop that with, you know, we work closely with the Department of Health. So I think that's important. Um, and that we, we encourage our mobile health clinics to go out there and we encourage women. You know, one thing again, just invest in our health. That's important. That's the most important message that Lucy Bellona has for us this morning. So yeah, thank you so much for being here, Lucy. I think, um, I really enjoyed the show. I love the fact that you're so passionate about what you do. You can hear it. I can see it and I can hear it in your voice that you're very passionate about the work that you do. And that, that really makes a difference. Passion is everything. Oh, it does. I mean, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then what are you doing here? You exactly. know, and I think, um, I always think of that woman that when she tweeted and she asked me the question, and because of that, she went and looked up and found more information. And I could have possibly helped 
lead to something else and help reduce their cancer. So I think we play, it's, it's actually a responsibility, mm-hmm. but it's exciting. And it's wonderful to spend my Women's Day in doing a radio show and educating others. Thank I you so fantastic. much. So where can so we find thank you. you on Twitter, Facebook? Just give us your, okay. give us the, the handles for Okay, for, for cancer, cancer, we're on at cancer as in C-A-N-S-A. Yeah. Capital letters. We're also on Instagram, Cancer Association of South Africa, all one word. And we're also on Facebook, um, Cancer Fighting Cancer. Okay. That. But we've got a number of regional Facebook. So if you're in a specific town and you want to support the local cancer care centers, there's a number of them. But the national page is Cancer Fighting Cancer. And then if you're a cancer survivor, we really encourage you to please join our, our face or our Champions of Hope page. You can find that on off our website as well. So that's if you are diagnosed and if you're looking for other people to give you support and if you need any information, you can join them. And also, oh, I forgot to share, we've got a program called I Survivor. Mm-hmm. It's also Online. So basically, you will receive emails. So once you register and you've been diagnosed, you will receive emails from another cancer survivor. She wrote the program. She had cancer for over 20 years. And she shares with you what kind of processes to go through and information. It also tells you, again, very similar to the coping kit, um, what emotions you may go through, what sort of side effects you may get in terms of some of the treatment. But again, it, it, it's kind of generic because everyone goes through specific treatment regimes. But it, it, she gives you a very nice program of how to cope with cancer because some people – Amazingly, you know, some people are very private. They don't want to maybe share with others. That's they may true. not have others to lean on. They may not have friends or loved ones. So they may want to keep it quiet. In some cultures, you know, they don't talk about it. We encourage people to talk and share so you can get support. So we've got the I Survivor program off our website and then you will get regular emails. Okay. Um, and it's a wonderful program. It's actually helped a lot of people. I've seen some feedback and to me, you know, when you get an email back and somebody says, wow, Thank you for giving me this email and thank you for sharing. I felt so alone, but knowing that Auntie Sophia is there for me, <laughs> you know, and, and some of the questions they may ask, which is great. That's what we're there for. You know, that's why I say, please, you can phone the toll-free line or you can phone the website or tweet us or send us a message so that we can try and give back or share the information. I'd rather we ask and then we know. Thank you so much, Lucine. You were a fantastic guest and thank you for all the information. It's a pleasure. Thank you for letting me be here. Unreal, uncensored, unradio. Cliffcentral.com.